what you look for in a, in a strong character is uniqueness, desire, and complexity. Uniqueness, desire, complexity. Uniqueness basically being like, hey, what makes this person special? The desire being like, hey, what does this person want? Like, what, what is their goal in life? Hello, everyone, and welcome to No Fat Cats, where we help high-performing creative teams get even better. I'm your host, Wesley Dean. Before I started recording the podcast, I had initially done a trial recording with uh, Samo Zeal, who, uh, Samo, he went through the whole Muse storytelling process and actually did one of their, their films, and he went to Okinawa to tell a, a great story there that you can, can watch online, and the, the thing I loved about Samo's conversation was he really just kind of walked through the process of, of what how much work it actually goes into producing a great story. Well, often people just kind of show up, film a whole bunch of stuff, and, and make it happen later. You know, but before going into process, they really make sure that they, they know their stuff. And so I, I recorded Samo's conversation, and I kind of sat on it for a while as I was thinking about the podcast. And it wasn't really until a year later that I ended up actually kicking kicking the podcast into into high gear and launching it uh but but that initial conversation was just really helpful because it showed me that yes i could do one it was something i enjoyed i passed around for feedback and uh wherever you're at i just encourage you to if you're if you're wanting to do something don't wait until you get everything figured out but just start doing some sort of trial and i think at times, it's often easy to get stuck in this whole like analysis by paralysis, and uh, sometimes you do really need to stop and think about strategy. And other times, on the execution side, you just need to get going. You know, push the record button and get started. And it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be your best work ever, but it's a step in the right direction. And after a while, I thought, you know, I never released Samo's original recording. And as I was going through things, I was like, this is this is a great time to do it. It's, it's a long overdue. It's been uh, hidden on my, my hard drive for a year and a half now, and I'm finally excited to get it to out there. And so I really hope you enjoy my conversation with Samuel. I know we talked a lot about the process, how much work they go in with doing preliminary interviews, why they're so important before doing any actual uh, story production and storytelling, and how much time they take beforehand getting to know people before they even pull the camera out. And so here, without further ado, here's Samo Ozeal. Samo, welcome to the, the podcast. It's great to have you here. Um, I know ever since we uh, introduced you through Olivia, I've been hearing great things about you and um, you know, definitely looking forward to connecting a little bit more about uh, the story with Tommy that I know you sent me that link and uh, was picked up by Upworthy and it was definitely quite the impressive uh, story and um, obviously gathered some attention. And so today I'd love to explore a bit about what that process was like of developing that story um, and also a little bit about Muse storytelling in general as I know that's something you're a part of and that you, you know, I'm sure you'd highly recommend it. Um, so, so before we dive too much into Tommy's story, would you be able to tell me a little bit about Muse storytelling? You know, what is it and um, you know, what, how does it help people? What does it do? Yeah, uh, it's good to be here. Um, I, the Muse process is something that... <clears throat> I, I fell in love with. I, I don't work for Muse, but they have a. The Muse has a community all around the world of thousands of filmmakers, uh, who are all a part of you know, this this common uh, network of people who who really value storytelling. Muse um, started by um, Patrick Mono. He's a Canadian guy. Now he's out of Portland. Um, 
they 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 kind of burst out of um, company Still Motion. A lot of people know Still Motion. They've gotten some you know Emmys. And Muse came out of you know Patrick's kind of desire to be like, hey, I've got all these skills. I've got all this knowledge, all this storytelling history and prowess. I don't want to keep it to myself. I want to share that, and I want to help other creatives, other filmmakers learn how to do story well and in fact use the science of story he he takes you know in this program and it's more than just patrick but he's the founder they take you know uh the psychology they look at you know different scientific ways our brain works and how story plays into that and how through effective story whatever our you know, call to action is if you know, maybe you're in the commercial world, you want someone to buy something. Maybe you're in the nonprofit world, you want someone to donate, or maybe you want someone to, you know, go get involved or lean in. Well, how story is able to get someone from point A to point B uh, to to that final desire in ways that that you just you just can't get from you know presenting a bunch of facts, you know, for or other methods. Absolutely. So. Um, yeah, there's a there's a really strong process. It's it's all about the process of like how do we how do we break down a story? How do we find what people want to be a part of whatever it is you're whatever story you're telling? Absolutely, and I'm really glad you brought up that the whole process uh, part because I feel like that's just so important. You know, I've started to realize it even, uh, you know, more and more in my own life. Um, you know, some, I think sometimes you start off thinking, "Oh, creativity it just you know comes and it's like this whimsical thing that you just you know get in the mood." Um, but even even lately, I've started to realize the importance of you know having things in order because. Uh, you know, guess what, when I'm go to edit, edit a project and, and the files aren't in order, you know, I spend, you know, the first 20 minutes trying to find a file and it's like, all right, I all of a sudden wasted valuable brain power that I could have spent being creative trying to find something that someone else uh, misplaced. Uh, so I definitely think that process is just super important. So yeah, I'd love to hear a little bit more about that process. Um, you know, what, and especially I know for, we have the story, uh, you know, with Tommy that was, you know, picked up by, by Upworthy, got a great, a lot of great attention. Would you be able to walk us through the process of producing a story like that? Um, so I think a lot of people just think, oh, it's just as simple as, you know, show up with a camera and, you know, get some cool shots and, uh, and then take it all back to the editing. But what does that process look like? And could you tell us about the team, how you picked that story and just what that was like starting from pre-production? <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. So, our assignment were, were, was to essentially just find an interesting story, an interesting person uh, in Okinawa. That was our only parameters, Okinawa, which is an island off of Japan, part of Japan. And uh, y- y- this is for a, a larger series called The Remarkable Ones. And they're, they're you know, different remarkable people all around the world. It's a web series. And so we were doing an episode uh, in Okinawa. And so first our team... Literally, we just broke up and we just started Google searching like, oh man, the power of Google. You just Google like interesting people in Okinawa, world records, like everything you can think of. I was getting on like the um, uh, couch surfing website and like looking for people like, hey, like, you know, I, I just sent out to Facebook like, hey, does anyone know anyone in Okinawa? And we did this process multiple, like at multiple stages. We got like stuck when we needed a translator or whatever. And we just went back to those resources and we just, you know, started just networking anyone we knew like, Hey, can anyone help us? So our first step was just to find someone. And we found like lots of great articles, lots of fascinating people to tell the story about. And then we would come together. Well, actually before we would come together, 
we would um, we'd, we'd make initial email contact with them and then we'd actually, before coming together, have a like interview with them, like a little pre-interview or like a Zoom or a Skype call just to, you know, and we'd record it so we could show the rest of our team if we ended up going that direction and just be like, hey, like, I want to hear your story. Like, you know, I want to introduce you to like what we're trying to do. And some of these people, like they didn't work out, but they gave us like some great insight into the culture and helped us, you know, decide where, like what story we did want to tell. And some of them were really helpful later when it's like, oh, like one of the guys I pre-interviewed, he ended up like picking me up at the airport, like bringing me around. I was like, whoa, like we didn't tell his story, but he ended up being a helpful resource in the end. And so then we all come together as a team and we, we break down um, the character traits because we want to we wanna like, it's almost like a scientific process of like, hey, who is the most interesting character? And so we give them each a score on multiple traits. And the traits are, let's see if I got my notes here. Um, so, and this is part of the Muse process, right, is what you look for in a, in a strong character is uniqueness, desire, and complexity. Uniqueness, desire, complexity. Uniqueness basically being like, hey, what makes this person special? The desire being like, hey, what does this person want? Like, what, what is their goal in life? And then the complexity is, you know, okay, what is the obstacle? What's stopping them from reaching that goal? Because someone, you know, someone who has already reached and attained their goal maybe doesn't have as interesting as a story of someone who's like striving or someone who had to, like, in order to reach their goal, had to really get through a lot of hoops and obstacles. And so that, that uniqueness, desire, and complexity is what makes like our strong character. And so then we, you know, compare them all and we look, hey, okay, yeah, man, this person, they, they've, they've scored the highest and all these things. We want to pursue them as the heart of our story. And now maybe sometimes in our story, we can have like multiple characters but in every story we want to focus on like one person like even even like wedding film like muse will be like yeah if you're doing a wedding like yeah you pick one of them and like focus on their story and of course like say you pick the the bride of course the groom is like a huge part of that story like you're not cutting them out but you're 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 connecting the audience with like the bride right and 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 that's a much that's that's like the hardest of the possible scenario is a you know husband and wife in a wedding so any other scenario, any other story is much easier to be like, okay, we're just going to focus on this one person. And then everyone else, sometimes you have, um, in the muse process, it's called helpers. So you have the heart of the story and then you have helpers, which are people who maybe fill in the gaps. Like, you know, maybe the heart isn't going to like talk about themselves, but the helpers will, you know, brag on them or give some insight that they wouldn't have. And then the third character you'd often have um, in our muse process films would be an expert, someone who can give some real credibility. Um, maybe they're not related to the story at all. Maybe they are, but you know, maybe it's, Hey, we go to a professor who talks about this, you know, certain subject. And so the heart, the helper and the expert are the characters we're looking for. Um, but once we find the heart, now we really want to like break down their story before we ever hit the ground, before we're ever on location, we want to know their story and we want to have developed our story arc, our beginning, our middle, our end, we want all of that in place before we ever sit down for an interview. And so we have, like, it's a huge thing, pre-interviews. Um, and sometimes, you know, we already had this pre-interview, like this, it's like a pre-free interview, right? When we're like trying to figure out our heart. But then once we have our heart, we want to sit down and we want to break down their uniqueness, desire, and complexity and really draw that out of them. So we go in knowing, you know, these things. We, and, and then we can develop 
really good questions. Like what questions do we want to ask in the interview that will draw this out of them so we can just draw from them the story we already know is there. And sure, all the time you'll get like, you know, these curveballs where it's like, whoa, I did not see that coming or they did not tell us that. And the interviewer has to like roll with it. You got to be flexible and you can, you know, wind that river. Um, but it, it, it really makes it easier when you know the story you want to tell and you're not just going in there blind. And, and you know what the truth is? Earlier you talked about like editing process. Applying Muse, like the pre-production process to a story makes editing so much faster because instead of having like tons and tons of story that you're just like, oh my gosh, like now I've got to cut down this hour long interview down to, you know, three minutes, like, oh, there's so much. You already, you go into the editing process, you know the story that you wanted to tell and you've, and you know, like, okay, pff, I can cut all this stuff out because that's not part of the story we're telling. And you already have like all the arc set up and it makes editing so much faster when you do really good pre-production before the story. Cool. So, so what did that process look like, especially with, uh, with Tomi's story? Had you already done um, interviews and, and how do you manage to do the interviews? I know she, you know, she doesn't speak uh, English or um, you know, Japanese. So how did, how did you manage to pull the, those preliminary interviews off with her? Cause that's, wow. that's one of the biggest questions I have because often I'm doing work overseas. And so you just kind of think, no, it's too hard to do a international, but apparently you managed to do it. Yeah. So <laughs> you're absolutely right. But once you add in language barrier, it becomes exponentially more difficult. Uh, the story actually is really incredible of how our producer found like a translator for us. We were, we were desperate. We had like our pre-interview with her and we couldn't find anyone who spoke Okinawan. And we're like, Oh man, we're just gonna have to like, maybe we can't even like do this interview. Maybe we can't, maybe we'll have to like find a new character. Like, ah, oh, this is gonna be so hard. And our producer, <laughs> he's such a brave guy. He's literally in uh, Whole Foods and he's at the like dining area of Whole Foods and he sees like someone who he thinks looks Japanese, maybe. <laughs> and he's like, oh, like I cannot go up to him and be like, hey, are you Japanese? Cause like how like embarrassing would that be? <laughs> so he leaves, he gets in his car and he's like, no, like I've got to do this. Like we we're so desperate with like three hours until our interview. Like I've just got to take a chance. So he like says a quick prayer to himself and he walks back inside and he just comes up like, hi, excuse me, are you Japanese? <laughs> yes. And he goes, let me tell you this like problem we're having. And she had a friend who was actually from Okinawa who spoke Japanese, Okinawan and English perfectly. Uh, and within an hour they were in contact and three hours later, they're sitting at the Skype call, you know, having this pre-interview together. I mean, it. So, so how do you really, even make contact with Tommy to begin with? Oh, so we, yep. So remember um, earlier when we were talking about like throwing out tendrils, just like seeking one of the people we um, were in contact with was actually like, cause the Muse community is thousands of people all around the world. And so we, we sent out to like a, an email that I think it was like a, like a, almost like a hundred Japanese musers, right? People who are part of the music community okay. from Japan just sent them an email and um, they were, so they're helping us on the ground, look around. And one of them ended up um, being able to get in contact with her um, agent, like somehow, like it, it was incredible. So he gets in contact with her agent um, and like really like explains everything. And so he, that agent was able to then get us cause you know, Tommy is a, a part of uh, a band. And okay. so, so that's how that worked out. I mean, fixers is a, such an important role that I think uh, in, in the video sphere, we like forget about, um, on our, on our, on our trip, we had three fixers, right? I mean, the fixers, just the people who are like 
there on the ground, locals, they know the language, they know the culture, they know, hopefully, they know <laughs> um, how to do film stuff, not always, but who can just like, anytime you have a problem, they fix it. And so <clears throat> we ended up hiring three fixers who like just saved our butt. And one of them was uh, Shota, this guy who was a muser, who was the one that made initial contact with the um, uh, agent. Um, so yeah, cool. so, so then we had, the, we had the pre-interview with her and, and it was like really hard over Skype, right? And so that's why um, we were able to get a general story and go in. But our first day, like our whole entire first day on in Okinawa, we didn't touch a camera. Our and, first day is dedicated as a pre-production day. And, and backing up, so just so people understand, how many people were on this team that, mm. was, that once you had been in part of the pre-production, um, how many people were on that, on that team getting ready to go? <clears throat> yeah. So by the time we got on the ground, um, and, and different people had different amounts of involvement before, but by, on the ground, we had uh, about 11 of us. We had a creative director, producer, a um, production assistant, a director, a director of photography, uh, assistant director of photography, uh, a light and sound guy, a guy doing, who's like doing grip and behind the scenes work. And then we had our three fixer slash translators. Okay. Wow. And so did you ever think, um, had you been on any bigger shoots before or, or what was that like for you uh, in terms of crew size? Because um, obviously, you know, sometimes people might think, oh, you don't, you can just, you know, get a small crew, one or two people. But what was it like working with a bigger crew with where everyone had a specific role they need to do? Um, you know, were, were people busy all the time? Did you find that they were always had something to do or is it just they, they brought their expertise for that moment? Yeah, that's a, that's really great. I think, Every single person there could act as a jack of all trades, right? Look, we could all, and we all have those skills, but being able to focus your energy to make sure like, I've got this one thing right. And we're working as a team. We're picking up slack for each other all over the place, obviously. But I, I don't think at any point anyone's just like sitting around like, oh, I don't know what to do. There's too many of us. Like when you're able to focus on one job, you're able to do that job significantly more excellently, right? And so... Uh, the the piece could have gotten done with fewer people. We could have like made it, but I think the quality um, and, and also the burnout on our end <laughs> would have been leagues different, you know, because we were already going like so hard, but to have someone who's like, okay, I'm just, you know, sitting here, I'm focusing on like story. Someone who's like, Hey, I'm, I'm out here, you know, making sure that, um, that these, you know, because we're working a lot of grand grandmas, these grandmas are being taken care of and like in with the community and someone who's, you know, out, you know, grabbing some B-roll shots while the, you know, main people are doing the interview while someone gets, you know, the whole setup for, you know, it, it, it's yeah, often in our, on our team, you know, we end up having to have less people than we want. And it's always like a fight to be like, no, 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 like, listen, I know you don't think we need this many people, <laughs> but we do like, you know, yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> and so I, I think it's a really strong argument to be able to have more people who are specialized and get the focus on just one job, even though they have the capability of doing more. Okay, great. Yeah, I recently uh, you know, convinced someone that, hey, we need to have a crew of three people on. And that was actually the biggest pitch for an actual crew I've been able to do. But definitely something I'm aspiring to is, you know, what it looks like, uh, not just have a crew for the sake of having a lot of people, but just for the sake of producing something really good. And in this case, it's you know, an upcoming trip to, uh, to Cambodia. Mm, I love Cambodia. But we're cool. But so then um, going back to where it was that on the grounds, so you said, I think you were talking about your first day on the ground with Tommy. Yeah. Uh, what was that like? So we, um, I mean, we had like multiple days of travel because we had to like, 
you know, fly from whatever state to, you know, into Tokyo. And then we had to like sleep in Tokyo for the night. And then we had to get up early and take a, uh, another flight to another Island. And then from that Island, we had to take a boat to the little Island that she lives on. So it was like a lot of travel just to get to her. But we we arrived, you know, to her Island um, in the morning and we just, the whole first day, and this was the plan. Like we're not allowed. Don't touch a camera. Don't even, don't even pick up a camera. We split up and we had some people who would go around and, you know, location scout. We had some people who went, um, especially like the, um, the creative director and producer along with some of the fixers. Um, they even went and were like, Hey, these are on this tiny Island. They went and met with some like the, the local, uh, like the mayor or maybe it was governor or whatever of the town just to be like, Hey, just want to let you guys know where we're here to like really said that. And, and here's uh, something awesome that happened. We could have easily just came in here and been like, you know, oh, these, you know, foreigners coming in here and like shooting cameras pointed everywhere. But because like we showed them respect on a local level, they like, okay, the next day was going to be like, they have a once a year ceremony for like the ancestors. Right. And no, um, no outsiders have ever been there and especially no cameras have ever been there. And so we're like, okay, we need to avoid this part of town um, (laughs) that whole next day. We knew that. But after, after our producer and fixer like met with them and showed them so much respect, the mayor of the town's like, Hey, why don't you guys come and film this ceremony? And we're like, what? <laughs> our minds, you know, the power of, you know, taking a day just to like get to know people. And, and especially with your heart too. If you come in there, people are nervous on camera, especially, I don't know if you ever had this, if you have to like someone who's like bilingual and they're like okay no i'm gonna do this interview in english but english is our second language and, and they have, have a hard time and yeah, and the moment you put the camera in front of their face that it's like they lose all their english and it's like yeah. i don't believe them you know people get nervous and language aside people it, have, it happens to me when i'm uh interviewing myself on camera too so i definitely understand when you know people are yeah. on camera in a second language that they normally do fine on but no. yeah and so and so whether it's a different language or not i mean we want the 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 talent the heart to be so comfortable with us to like really get to we want to have dinner with them we want to be we want to build a relationship with them so we have this rapport before we ever point a camera in their face so that by the time we pull those cameras out they're much more comfortable they're much more at ease and we also do a really good intentional job of trying in this part of the news process of trying to separate like the setting up of everything like the you know putting up the the interview the lighting the audio like that whole stuff they shouldn't be present for it. We would try really hard to keep them like have the um, preferably whoever's actually going to be doing the interview, like out with them someplace else having a conversation. And then once everything's set up, lead them into the room and then, you know, sit down and you just keep, and they just keep that conversation going just naturally while, you know, the crew is doing the final tweaks. And then without ever saying anything, the crew kind of like, you know, whoever's setting up will maybe give the interviewer just like a double tap on the shoulder. Right. So that, hey, everything's ready to go. Like, we're recording now. And then the interviewer does not say, and we're recording, action, go, interview starts. Because that's what <gasps> people all of a sudden, like, that's when they get nervous. Yeah. So the interviewer will just keep the conversation going and transition into these questions that they've already prepared. We already know the story we want. We already know the questions we want to ask. We'll transition to it into a very natural way. One time I was doing an interview, and it, we were an hour in, and the person I was interviewing said, when are we going to start the interview? I was like, we've been recording for an hour, right? <laughs> so we're having this great conversation That's great. because we never like, and, and, and she was so natural because of it. Yeah. And so spending that day 
it, it, all, it, to like really get to know them, to get to know the environment, to do that location scouting and not touch a, a camera, I think does a lot to make your person feel really, really comfortable. Okay, cool. Yeah, because that's one of the questions I always wondered is, um, you know, is it better to show up, not bring the cameras, or is it better to have the cameras, let people get used to them, so that way they kind of go back to normal, like on day two? Mm. Uh, I, don't, I didn't know what your thoughts were, were there. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you could probably make an argument for that, but in, I mean, the Muse process is, you know, tried and true, and they're, and they're very much like, like that. Spend, at least maybe you can't spend the whole day, but at yeah. least a meal, at least a morning, spend some hours where you're just really making them feel comfortable and getting to know them uh, if you if you can't afford that whole day. Okay. No, cool. Because that is one of the things where I you know, sometimes wonder about. And I think especially too with your, your main person you're interviewing, mm. um, you know, you want them to get comfortable, get to know them. Um, but, I would, but I guess too, in a case like that in Okinawa, you like you probably stand out enough as it is. Um, sure you know, with, with whether you have a camera or not. So, so in some ways it's probably, uh, you know, like just being there, you know, without a camera alone, it's enough to get other people um, like kids or anything like that. Just a little more used to you, to you being there. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. And you know what? It was so funny. The first day we were out um, and we were doing like our pre-production stuff and we were going, we're trying to like talk to people just like, Hey, like get to know them. You know, we had one of our translators with us. And they like wouldn't give us the time of day. Like they were like very standoffish and like would, you know, like I've never seen little 80 year olds like scooter away so fast. Right. Um, but after we really like took those steps to like make our presence known as like a non-threat when we got to, you know, meet the mayor, when we got to, you know, all of a sudden the way we were received by just the community changed so drastically. And they were like, they, they couldn't have become more, accommodating and helpful to us whereas they kind of were very standoffish and and didn't really trust us at the beginning and i think one of the things is you know we, they've you know they've had you know cnn has come and done a film there they had a whole feature length documentary from singapore they've had you know lots of people come and interview tommy and this band but they said to us afterwards like no one has been as as professional as kind as caring for us as you guys have been Oh wow, I that's that's really a compliment. The way the story came out, yeah, yeah, it was it was a very huge compliment. Okay, awesome, sounds cool. So, so going back to the the interview process, um, you know, what is it like once you finally sat down with Tommy? This was day two, I'm guessing. Um, yeah, I think uh, so. With Tommy, it was a little bit different than maybe the average interview because she's you know like ninety four, yeah. right? She's crazy old. And so uh, we had to kind of like break it up into like segments. So we did, you know, like instead of maybe you know, sitting down for like one big hour long, you know, hour and a half, who knows, 45 minutes uh, interview, they would do it in more like, you know, 15, 20 minute chunks um, so that she could be more comfortable because she was just like, you know, so old. Um, and, and so that was a little bit different than normal. And so it ended up being like over the next few days. But I would totally say like, yeah, maybe day two, day three, you know, whenever that interview is, uh, you're, you're, we would sit down with them um, and really draw the story out from them. And that really helps us then to know like, okay, for the next time, available time we have, what are the pickup shots? What are the B-roll shots that we need to get? Um, I think that's the thing that before Muse, I was so, uh, we were so lax about. It. We wouldn't really think about like really getting good coverage. And we get to the editing process and be like, oh man, why? They, they mentioned this. Why didn't we get a shot of that? But when you have someone who's in the interview who can sit there and be taking notes of shot lists, like, oh, she talked about this. Let's get a shot of this. Oh, you know, like, you know, that's something you really can't do as the main interviewer. 
And that's why another benefit of having more people on the crew, someone who's like just writing down objects and locations yeah. and environments that we want to go get shots of that were mentioned in the interview that will be useful in editing and for the final B-roll. Um, and, 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 and that's exactly what ended up happening. Then we were able to like over the next couple of days break up and like go and get all of those shots to have lots of coverage of different things. And then, I mean, we try and avoid recreations, but in order to get, you know, those things, you know, like, okay, we need to get this mood from her, like her sitting, you know, in a room in the dark watching TV, obviously feeling very lonely, you know, oh, we need to go yeah. you know, get some shots of, you know, her with friends that represent this time in her life. That kind of stuff is really important to get. And we are able to do that after the interview. So it's all together. How long did that, how long were you there filming with her? Um, so if you look at, you know, day one, just getting to know her, you know, day two was, was that when you finally started doing the interview with Tommy? Um, yeah. Day one, all pre-production day. Um, day two, we, we, we started our interview. Um, and you know, that process went on. I think normally it'd just be a one day kind of thing. Um, day, you know, actually we we're, so there are a total of five days. The fifth day, all we did was we got one, one of our, um, helpers. We got an interview with him. Um, it was the, um, it, her manager. And so we were um, able to like get that the last day. Um, but it was essentially, I think, uh, yeah, four days of shooting, five days total on the ground, plus however many days of travel. Okay, cool. Yeah, so five, five days total then? Yeah. No, that sounds good. And then after there was, you'd, uh, you'd head out. Yeah, after we, um, after the last interview with the, uh, in the we had the interview in the morning with the manager on that fifth day and then we all took off that afternoon so i guess four right. days you could say <laughs> cool and, and then so too obviously you're taking up a lot of these people's time but how do you what do you find as a process for mm. um you know making sure they feel that the time is valued you know you know does it do you give them gift or do you special compensation or how do you how do you manage with that that topic i know different people have different perspectives but what do you what do you do Great question. Um, first of all, we really try and avoid compensation. Like I, uh, that's, we don't want to like compensate because we, wow, man, once money gets involved, things just get complicated and things become less real. Right. But yeah, even before, before we left, we were already planning, okay, what gifts do we want to bring them? So one of our crew members was from Hawaii and he brought some like Hawaii chocolate macadamia nut stuff. Right. Um, our last day, like, um, or second to last day, um, the last full day on the island, we um, kind of threw a party for them. We had like, we got them all dinner. Um, we, had, we made them dinner um, for all the, I mean, it was like, oh man, this band is like, like 30 women, right? And so it was like this huge, you know, this huge yeah. dinner that we bought the ingredients for and made for them and we're able to like serve them. And they really felt, you know, very valued by that. And so, yeah, I mean, making sure that they feel valued and like they aren't being used, I you know, so the, the muse, um, muse, like one of the muse sayings is story first, right? It's always story, story, story first. But I think that that's, you know, a good principle, but I think really on it's people first. I would rather, I would rather walk away with a worse story, but not having burnt those bridges and have having those people feel valued than like some people come in and they're just like, it's all about story. Boom, boom, boom. We got to get the story. And they just like bulldoze over people. And I think that's the difference when they were talking about like, Hey, you know, when CNN came, when the Singapore documentary came, like you got, there's something different about you guys is because we were really intentional to, to, to value them, make sure they're appreciated, make sure that their needs come first. And then, 
you know what the truth is we got a better story because of it because of their willingness and openness okay no sounds sounds good no that's that's really helpful to to hear um and so then when you threw the party did did other people want to join or did you feel that uh you know for the most part uh everyone um you know you're able to keep it just the women sort of thing sure yeah it was pretty structured i mean we you know had them gathered and had you know just enough food for all of them it was you know at the um at the place you know scheduled where they do their rehearsals and stuff and so we just invited them to the facility only okay great sounds good and so then afterwards did you um what was the process like of editing you know about how long did it take to go through that the whole editing process now that you knew exactly what your story was going to be yeah um you know (laughs) it, it was it was interesting to be because we you know we have a lot of strong personalities and we had one person who was like we had two people who were kind of like sharing the duty for editor and they're being too complicated and so we're just like okay you're done like just we got to focus on just one person um uh, it was a bad choice to begin with i don't know why we thought we should do that it was because you know we were doing this particular piece out of like our own free time you know donating okay. this um to this uh, series, you know, whereas, you know, obviously normally if you're doing this process for your own business, you know, you have a dedicated editor. And so we were kind of trying to split the editing duties for a while. It didn't uh, work out as well. So we ended up spending a lot of time using, um, uh, man, what is it on Vimeo? Um, Vimeo has... Uh, like the Vimeo review pages? Yeah, yeah. It's like the Vimeo review pages, but they but they have a, they're a whole standalone app. I forget the name like of it. Like the Webster? Webster. Yeah. yeah. We spent... I spent so many hours <laughs> uh, and I love Webster. Webster is so great. Um, so it's just a Vimeo review page too. And, and we had so many versions going up and would make copious notes on Webster. Um, and, and, and it was, I, I don't remember how long it was. It was a, it was a few weeks of, um, of editing, but um, yeah, the final, and then, and then we had, you know, obviously time to find a, we had to get a voiceover artist. We had to like write yeah. the script for the voiceover artist and then we, we got a custom score done. Um, and so that was like actually kind of hard because we had already put in like this temp music and then we fell in love with the temp music. <laughs> and then when we sent it to the custom store, we we're like, oh no, like, oh, like, oh, we can't let go of this. But can we do can you, like customize everything but this one song? Or, and in the end, we just had to like release that. And it, it was a better piece for it, letting them do the custom score. But yeah, okay. about a few weeks. So is it, what were the lessons learned about the process uh, in editing if you had to take any of those thoughts away? Yeah, first was, you know, too many cooks in the kitchen. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> it was too early, both too early in the process, um, we had too many voices. And then at the very end, we, we tried to make a bunch of changes. It was like, somehow, I don't know, we, we got convinced that we needed to change a bunch of stuff. And in the end, it wasn't as good. We ended up like, end up reverting back to a f- previous version. And it was just like, Okay, like at some point you just gotta say not everyone's gonna it's be happy. Yeah, gotta, yeah. So, so, so how many cooks would you recommend in the kitchen for uh, editing a piece like that? You know, I mean, personally, I I think that being able to hear voice, everyone's voice should be included. Like I, I, you know, that Webster process, that's you know so important. I think that everyone, even if you don't take someone's um, suggestion giving someone a voice to be able to voice that suggestion, you know, because a lot of us were so invested in this, right? Yeah. But ultimately I think it's, you know, someone has got to be the person who makes that final decision says, great idea. Sorry, we're going a different direction. And that's what we, in this particular case, struggled to do because we're trying to share the editor duties. And in the end, 
give that to just one person. Okay. Uh, so, so you didn't start off having one clear uh, director in the role or, or not necessarily? Yeah. I mean, um, we, we have, you know, the, the, the director and the director was also, we had, we split it into like two co-directors who would then also split the editing duties. Cause we knew we were going to like split the editing duties. So we had them be like co-directors and co-editors. And that was, I think our biggest, we should have just been like, all right, you're the director. You're, we'll find something for you to do when we're on set. <laughs> you're going to be the editor. Um, it would have worked a lot, a lot better. But okay. In the uh, end, it worked out. It was just, uh, you know, a, a lot more conversations than probably. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess you learned that lesson, and so hopefully we all, that'll be a good good takeaway for everyone. Mm-hmm. So, hey, well, I know that's it for now, and I think you know. Thanks so much for sharing. I know I learned a lot right there, but just about the process, and definitely have a few tips that I'll be uh, you know taken away. Um, so I guess my thought would be like, yeah, people want to you know obviously see the movie. I can provide the link, but uh, do you have anything in terms of your you know? creative, you know, where can people connect with you if they want to see, you know, work that you're doing, things that you're involved, what's the best way to do that? Oh man, you know, it's so interesting. I have been do, like, once I got hired for this organization, I stopped like promoting my own stuff quite a bit. So, um, uh, yeah, if people want to connect on my Instagram, um, they can find it at, um, Snapple cap Sam is my Instagram. So Snapple cap Sam. All right. I like that. S N A P P L E C A P S A M. Snapple Cap Sam. All right, sounds good. Well, I, I don't think I'm following you, so at least uh, I'll have to start doing doing it that yeah, way on Instagram. So. Hey man, well, well, thanks so much. Uh, you know, like I said, that really was uh, just super helpful. Um, even just hearing, you know, deliberately, you know, how much time you take for things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think too, it's always helpful when you see that. Hey, this is what it takes to do things well. Then it's easier to push back and say, Hey, no, guess what? We don't. You guys have done this before, and it's okay not to start off filming right away. Um, yeah. You know, because because before sometimes where I've been on trips and it's, you know it's, you gotta really hustle and you're trying to do too much, and mm. uh, you know you might have one director try to sit down with people, um, do preliminary interviews before you start filming, but it's not you're not spending a whole day. It's really just you know like a few hours while you're out getting B-roll. But I think it's just so helpful being able to see what other people have done, um, you know, have succeeded, who have done this, you know, multiple times, and just learning those tips and tricks. Uh, to the process of just being creative yeah. like that. So uh, thanks so much for the wisdom. And I've definitely learned a lot through the whole process. So yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And then also with Muse storytelling. So it sounds like you'd highly recommend uh, being a part of it. And so I know you're not affiliated, but yeah, is it, what is, do you know where that website is? Is that just, yeah, I, I, I can't recommend it enough. I think um, uh, if you Google Muse storytelling um, should, 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 should pop it up there. And the, yeah, the, the, the Muse Film School revolutionized, you know, like for our company, like the process that we do and how we tell stories. And, you know, you were just talking about like, you know, for example, sometimes your client, like part of the process is learning like, hey, how do I convince our clients that we need this many people, that we need this much time, that we're worth, that story is worth it. And that, you know, telling it right is, is worth, you know, the extra cost is going to be. That's a part of a, a big process of Muse is helping teach you how to convince you know your customers yeah, that that's yeah. what they really need yeah all right well thanks so much uh, i think that's it for now uh, but i know definitely taking a lot of huge takeaways and look forward to connecting again in the future all right catch you another time it was really helpful for me to hear just how much time samo and the team spent researching their story doing preliminary interviews and trying to find the what made you know their main character unique looking for complexity and desire and it was definitely encouraging inspiration to spend more time in pre-production and i know that anytime i've spent 
planning a story, the, the better it just comes out. And uh, be able to hear it from Samo in a very concrete example, what it was like for him to go through those steps was super helpful. Muse Storytelling definitely has a number of different online courses you can take. I have definitely signed up for one of them and some of the free resources that they have and would highly recommend it. It's really easy to just buy more equipment or buy something assuming that it will somehow make your life better, but really taking time to educate and do the hard work of learning is definitely one of the most valuable things that I've done and that I encourage other people to do. I hope you've enjoyed this episode, and if there's something you've been wanting to start that you just haven't because you uh, or no, don't have everything figured out, I encourage you just start. So, for example, this episode, I you know, recorded it and then realized that I didn't have the settings in uh, in Zoom quite right, and I had merged our audio together. Well, usually it's better to have it separated out, but some of those things you don't learn until you try, and that the best way to learn is always to try. So go out this week and try something new. Until next time, have a great one.